1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Oh, man, we're winding down the week. How's your week been? Been good? Been rough? Been tough? For me, it's been a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, it's really hard with all that's going on in the world to just kind of block that out and maybe be present with, you know, our experience locally, localizing it. And locally, I mean, well, I guess whatever that means in your state and your country and your family, and just only, you know, internally for yourself, we are part of so many different relationships, right? We have a relationship with ourselves, and we have that experience. And then we have our relationship to friends and family members. And then we have a relationship to what's going on, maybe in our home state or hometown, and that's coming up for people that are looking at the school districts and the rules they're putting about vaccinations and masks. And then we're considering what's going on in our country with uh, flooding and things like that. And then we're rolling out just to our relationship to humanity and, and human rights and what's going on in Afghanistan and Haiti and all these other pieces. So we're going to feel all of those things. Um, we're connected to all of those things. And It's important to realize that, that what's going on in the world impacts you, what's going on in your country or state impacts you, what's going on in your friends and family members' lives impacts you. And then what's going on in your own direct life and then your own relationship with yourself. It's a lot of different circles. It's almost like those stacking dolls where there's that big doll and you open it and there's another one inside. They open that one, there's one inside of that. But notice how they all stack at the end in one. All of them are part of that one doll. And when you open it up, you see all the layers inside. You can pull them out to examine them further, but they actually all belong in that one larger doll. That's all of us embedded in all these different relationships. So it's understandable that our emotions and our mental health and our psychology is impact about what's happening around us the climate disaster I mean that's constantly something that is carrying around anxiety in my body um, and that's an appropriate response we should be anxious about what's happening in the you know in the world environmentally around us I mean my god there's no way to really shut that off and in fact sometimes the emotions we feel about what's going on around us and in the world are what call us into action right and that's why we can't just, excuse me, accept all that's happening. Some of these things we need to actually not accept and really, like I said, push into action around them. So just kind of holding space for that, that that all does matter. And we want to give consideration to that. Um, But, you know, we got to work on our resilience. Um, We don't want that to be what takes us down. We want to feel our feelings. Again, remember, mental health is the ability to feel all feelings and to feel them all deeply and to be able to express them. So it's not about shutting those down or denying them. If you're feeling bad or sad about those things, own it, feel it, talk about it, you know? Uh, But we do need to work on some level of resilience as we're hopefully on a larger scale working to eliminate and remove and deal with that stuff. Individually, we have to have that resilience and that's really rooted in having anchors, making sure we have good, safe relationships with people to turn to. That's gonna always be, and we talked about this earlier in the week, the number one thing that helps people deal with stress and not really have um, symptoms, of uh, trauma or PTSD is the quality of relationships that we had in our life and the people that we had available to us after an event occurred. And so stay connected to people and and keep talking about it. We don't want to go into silence when we're struggling, right? We need others. And uh, I'm talking to a lot of uh, patients in my practice about this, that we afford that to children we appreciate and we value and legitimize children needing to turn to adults for soothing and support, but we've bought into this lie, and it's a lie. It is empirically validated information that it's a lie that as adults, we don't need others. We do, we have to get away from that idea that, well, you're an adult now. You should be able to handle that. No, that's not true. As adults, we still have the same psychology, psyche, and nervous system that requires the safety and support of others, period, end of story. We always need that. We might move through our day trying to deny that and calling that, you know, experience, you know, you're being codependent, you're being too fused. No, I'm being a human. We are wired and require the support and presence of others. We need responsive people, consistent people, and that's what gets us through our most difficult times. Isolating and retreating and handling things on your own is actually detrimental, not mental health-minded, and is very toxic. We need others to be a part of our experience. We need to be seen by them, heard by them, cared for by them. But we also need to make sure we're giving that to others. So when a friend or family member reaches out because they had a rough day or a hard day, that's a healthy thing. You can't always see that as a burden. I'm not saying we can always be available to that. We might be having our own difficulty and we have to lovingly send them to someone else in a non-rejecting way. But that's a good sign when people are reaching out to us because they're sad, mad, or upset, or had a rough day, or they're stressed or frustrated. Part of being in a healthy relationship of any kind, familially, socially, romantically, is about being willing to be available in that way for others. So that's the question. Are you reaching out to others, but also are you allowing yourself to receive others and to be there for others? That's how we build solid relationships. That's how trust is built. Trust is not built around these other structures. Calling you my best friend, moving in together, getting married, trust is built, as I said, on those qualities that I just listed. Responsiveness, consistency, reliability, attunement, that's what matters. Because we all need that that, that safe haven to go to. And we also need what we call that secure base to leave from. When we have that behind us, that makes us better able and more confident to go out into that world when we know that we've just left that and that we can return to that, right? So that's healthy stuff. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about something that uh, shows up a lot in our lives, the difference between rules and boundaries. What? Why does that matter? Oh, I'll let you know. It comes up. Multiple times a day in a lot of my work, uh, when we're talking about dealing with difficulty, being let down, trust, insecurity, jealousy, it's an important topics. So we'll be covering that. And then, of course, as always, <clears throat> gliding into those DMs courtesy of Astro Glide. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back though. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris and Odyssey.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
2: All right, we're back talking about the difference between rules and boundaries. Why does that matter? Well, because it leads to a lot of fights, <laughs> and uh, a lot of people in my life, you know, personally and in my practice, trying to figure out how to manage conflict and difficulty and insecurity and emotional upset. And this kind of comes into play. It comes into play between parents and child, also two adults. Uh, So as always, I use more of a romantic entry point or example, but again, this applies to all relationships we have with anyone in our life, is the difference between rules and boundaries. And the the difference matters because sometimes it determines whether or not there's sustainability or health in a relationship is how this topic is approached. So we want to look at the difference. And um, it's nuanced. And sometimes it sounds like it's just semantics. And for many, there's a gray area. But I think at least trying to think in these terms can sometimes clean it up again, clear it up a little bit, but also lead to healthier levels of functioning. Uh, So let's start broad. What do we do when we're feeling out of control, jealous, insecure, disempowered, let down? Well, we try to assert control. (laughs) When we feel out of control, we try to assert control. And that usually leads to trying to control someone. Well, what do we do when we feel as though someone is trying to control us? We push back, we fight, we become oppositional. We try to shoot that down, right? No one wants to feel out of control and no one wants to feel controlled. And that's what the basis of a lot of fights are about. Who's going to be in control? Who's right? Who's winning? And again, as adults, we step outside of that framework. Adults Healthy adults, I mean, I mean, let me qualify that, healthy adults do not think in terms of fair is fair or winning or being correct. That is a primitive, more elementary perspective on relationships. I'm talking about relationships with people we feel safe with and that we care about, That's the, so know that. I'm not talking about relationships with random person on the airplane next to us or someone we don't know or have a good relationship or care about at the office. I'm talking about people that we care about. With relationships with people we care about, we don't try to win, we don't try to be correct. We focus more on staying connected and the quality of our relationship during our fight, conflict and conversation and afterwards. That's what our eye is on, that's the prize. I love this person. You want them to stay with you, you want them to feel close. You don't want them to feel harmed or pushed away or controlled. That's the center point. And so you do care about the distinction between boundaries and rules because healthy people won't stay in a relationship where they're constantly feeling as though they're being controlled, right? And so again, you want to think about it in relational terms. So what's the difference? Well, rules are born out of panic. Rule setting is born out of fear. Rule setting is born out of anxiety. That's what that's about. It's an, it's an attempt to control. We set rules to control, period, end of story. And people will always fight and push back on that, whether it's a parent to a child, a teacher to a child, uh, a partner, husband or wife to their partner, or a boss to an employee. People will not allow and accept control. And that's why we apply boundaries, not rules. People will always push back on rules. And a lot of times it's appropriate. We shouldn't align with unjust things. That's not healthy. Oh, that's the rule. No, healthy people will say, well, if that rule isn't just, well, then I'm not gonna follow that. That's a topic for another day. But again, just know that in mental health, we don't try to control people because there's no winning in that. There's no mental health in that. And there's nothing successful or or sustainable in that ruling with fear and control and rules is not a long-term viable solution. And it's toxic. So if you're trying to run your relationship from a place of control and rules and fear, you're not being healthy because healthy people care about how they impact the people they claim to love. And you wouldn't want them to feel controlled right? And everything as a partner that we say or do is shaping an impact in the feelings of the people that we're in relationships with. We do make people feel a certain way. People can make you feel ways. We know that empirically validated. That's real. And so that's why we want to care about, am I setting rules or am I setting boundaries? Because I know that if I try to control my partner, they're going to push back on that. I know that that will harm them and I don't want to harm anyone. And I know that that won't work and they'll find loopholes because people won't allow themselves to be controlled. But more importantly, this is you speaking, you would say, I don't wanna try to control or harm someone I love because if I trust and care about someone, then it's really about mutual benefit, right? It's not just about me versus them. And if you realize that you're often in this perspective of me versus them because I don't trust them or I don't feel safe with them, well, then you actually are calling yourself out and your relationship out and you have bigger, more important things to tackle. Why am I with someone that I don't trust or care about? Why am I in a relationship with someone who's, who I don't mind impacting negatively. Like get to really ask yourself that hard question. Some people are saying, oh my God, no, I'm on board. I, if I love someone, I don't want them to feel bad when they're around me. I don't wanna make, make them feel controlled. I don't wanna harm them. But if you are okay with that, well then you have a, you have, you have a bigger problem to really assess and look at. So that's gonna be something else for another time. But this whole topic is under the assumption that you do care about those things, that you do have empathy, you know, and that you are thinking relationally. Okay, so rules again, are about us trying to control the other. Rules are us telling someone else what they can do. That's not appropriate in adult relationships. We don't do that. And I don't want people to be in relationships where they have another adult telling them what to do. So when I hear couples saying things like, oh, my husband would never allow that, sometimes they don't really mean that, but sometimes they do. And if they do mean it, I know that they're in a toxic, unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Because healthy relationships, everyone's empowered. And in healthy relationships, I use the word mutuality, which means everyone's voice matters. Everyone's opinion matters. Everyone feels in control. Everyone feels empowered. And if you're in a relationship and you hear your partner say that, please put yourself in check and realize we don't have a healthy relationship. It's being run by fear. They're making decisions based on anxiety and fear. That is not how a healthy relationship should go. A relationship should go like this. I wouldn't want to do that because that might make my partner feel bad and it's not important enough to me. And so I'm going to back away from that that's what it should sound like. It's okay to disappoint, let our partners down if what we're talking about is something meaningful and important to us. But we do take impact into consideration. And so healthy people would say that, well, I don't want to make them feel bad. And it doesn't really that matter much to me. So I'm not going to do it. That's a place of empowerment. It's a place of relational thinking. It's a place of also empathy and care and compassion. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to break this down into more specifics. But right now, we're just focusing on what rules are about. Um, and then, of course, we'll be gliding into those DMs. So uh, stick around. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, right. We're back. And we're talking about the difference between rules and boundaries. And we just spent some time talking about the fact that you don't want to run your relationship from fear and anxiety. And you don't want to make your partner feel scared of you or anxious. And that's why they make the decisions they make. That's not a healthy relationship. And they will push back on that at some point. And you don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's okay running it that way or wants to control you. That's toxic monogamy, that's abuse. That's psychological and emotional abuse if you're in a relationship where someone's controlling you or you're in a relationship where you're afraid of letting them down. You're doing things because they've set rules. In relationships, adults don't set rules. We have boundaries and we'll get to what that means, but we don't set rules. We don't tell other people what to do. We only talk about ourselves and what we'll do and what we'll allow and what we'll be around, right? But we don't dictate and tell someone else, you can do this, you can't do that. Parents sometimes will do that with children. Again, a different conversation. But in adult relationships, it doesn't work like that. That's not mental health centered. It's also not being what we call trauma-informed because you're actually then traumatizing someone. That's a trauma-based relationship that's toxic and abusive. So then what are boundaries? <clears throat> and again, bear with me. I'll, I'll, I'll compare the two directly in a minute, but I'm gonna talk differently now about what boundaries are. So boundaries are where you're, you're really in self, you're with self, you're talking about self. Boundaries are where you share what you will do or not do. Boundaries are something you put around yourself or someone puts around themselves to protect themselves. And we have two boundaries actually. We have an internal boundary and an external boundary. One boundary protects us from others and one boundary protects others from us. And that's a boundary we often don't recognize. Again, I'll say it. We have a boundary that protects us from other people, right? people are very familiar with that one, but we also have another boundary, a wall we hit, where we protect other people from ourselves. So if someone's harming other people and controlling them, they don't have good boundaries. They're not protecting other people from them because we are responsible for how we impact other people. And so if you're harming people and doing damage and letting people down and you're being toxic, you don't have good boundaries. You have to be aware of how we impact others, right? So how does this apply? Well, let's look at situations where this would come up. I'm going to use a polyamorous example. Let's say you're in an open relationship or a polyamorous relationship. So you have a partner and you've decided openly and ethically and consensually that you are allowed to have sex with other people. Well, if you realize that maybe your partner is not using protection with their other partners, you can't say you have to use protection. That's a rule. You literally legally and otherwise don't get to tell someone else what to do. You can't legally do that. And emotionally you can't do that. You can't say you can't have sex with others without condoms. Because your partner can say back, yes, I can, because they literally can. But you so you can't set rules because that leads to fights, that leads to control, and it leads to people sometimes doing what they want anyway. But what would a boundary look like? A boundary would look like this. And this does matter. It matters for mental health. You would say, if you're going to have sex with others without protection, then I am not comfortable having sex with you without protection. So if you are having and choosing to have sex with others without protection, we have to use protection. I'm going to mandate that if we have sex, that a protection of some sort is used with me. That's a boundary, right? A a rule would be you can't have that person as a friend. Again, you don't get to tell another adult who their friends can be. You don't. But you can say a boundary. I don't want to be around them. I don't want to hear about what's going on in their life. So if you're going to be friends with this person, my boundary is I don't want to be in their life. I don't want them brought into my life. So I don't really want to hear about them or I don't want to know what's going on with them. That doesn't mean you can't mention their name, grow up, we're being adults. It's okay to say I'm going out with this person on Friday, but then you, and as a loving partner, because I'm demanding that of all relationships, you say, awesome, I know you enjoy them, have fun. You're not punishing them. We're not children, we're an adult. Okay, cool, because here's the thing. Your partner is allowed to let you down. Your partner is allowed to do things that bother you. They are. If they think that that friend is good for them and important to them, they have a right to have that friendship. You don't get to tell them they can't have that friendship. You can't punish them for having that friendship either. That's not being an adult. You have to work on that. But you do get to set a boundary saying, great, I don't want to be brought around them or them brought around me. And I don't really necessarily want to sit in what maybe happened while you guys hung out, or maybe you are open to that. But you do it lovingly. And so when they come home, you lovingly give them a hug because we're adults. And you say, did you have fun? Good, because I care about you. I love you. Of course I want you to have fun. That's, what I, that's all I need to know. But if you're going to punish them for going, then you're still living in a world of rules and you're actually not being a healthy partner. You're toxic. And there's, that's emotionally abusive to punish an adult for doing something that doesn't impact you. Because it doesn't impact you. Who they're friends with and where they're going does not impact you. Because again, this is all within the context of healthy, trustworthy relationships. And if you don't have that and you can't trust them, well, then go work on that. Because you don't have a trusting relationship. But if you do, you lovingly give them a kiss and say, have the best time ever. Can't wait to see when you get back. And you mean it. And you live your life while they're gone. But the boundary is, I don't want to go. Please don't bring them over here. I don't want to hear tons of things about them. I don't enjoy them. I don't want that relationship. That's the boundary. But the rule that you can't set, because we can't have rules with adults, is you can't have that friend, right? Do you see that distinction? Because then you're running a toxic relationship. You're moving into toxic monogamy where you're trying to control and own your partner and tell them what they can do. Your partner won't stand for that. They will find loopholes and act out and you're not being a good partner and that's a toxic relationship. So that distinction matters. You have to talk about with your partners, the difference between boundaries and rules, rules, control, and harm. Boundaries are about us talking about what we'll do for ourselves or what we won't do, where we'll be, who will be around. We're going to take a little break, glide into those DMs, and then we'll come back and hit this again. So stick around. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back and now it's time to glide into those DMs.
0: Gliding into
2: the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I currently work in the sex industry. I'm a dancer, model, and I have an OnlyFans. I'm really successful at what I do. However... I sometimes feel like I'm unable to meet anyone that sees me for me. I feel like I'm just an object to everyone and I can flirt, go on dates, but it always comes down to me being something they want to accomplish. I tell their friends that I hooked up with this person. It happened again last week. I'm just feeling very lonely and insecure. I love my body and I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing, but how do I get someone to see me for me? How can I protect myself from these people who want to use me? So this kind of message is heartbreaking because you know I, I want to remind you um, that you're a human being and maybe I'm saying that to those that are dehumanizing you. Everyone's everyone has worth and value, and someone's worth and value is based on their character and 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 how they treat others and how they move through the world. But to treat someone differently because of the, kind of the kind of work they do or, you know, the kind of work that harms no one and in fact is a really, really important counterbalance to our sex phobic, sex negative culture really says a lot about you. So first off, we have to acknowledge that the author of this question is dealing with horophobia, sex negativity, slut shaming, uh, sexism, right? Because that's what you're up against. And that I can't dismantle immediately. And so unfortunately, that's gonna be something that you'll struggle with for the duration of your life. I don't believe in my lifetime, sadly, that we will work through all of that. There's a lot of work, right? So the question's also, how do I realize, really we live in a culture that has a lot of problematic ideas around sex workers and sex, how do I survive or feel good in that? Well, it's a struggle. It's like, how do gay people feel good in a homophobic culture? How do larger fat bodies feel good in a you know, thin-centric, fat-phobic culture? It's hard, it's hard. But do know that there are people out there that have respect for women period. And if you only have respect for certain women, then you're sexist. If you only have respect for women that do certain kinds of things that you're comfortable with, you're you're sexist. You have toxic masculinity, you have sexism, you have slut phobia. There's a lot in there. But there are some really amazing people that will see you as the person that you are. And I applaud you because to work in the sex industry in our culture is an act of courage. And it's an act of authenticity and it's an act of empowerment. And I want you to lean into that. So thank you for the work you do. You're an important needed counterbalance to all of our cultural baggage. But of course you're a human and you want relationship and you want desire and you want to feel like a full total person. So I'm sorry that people don't treat you like that. Shame on those that don't know how to see you as the person you are. Um, A couple things I would say. I would say you don't need to anxiously disclose the work you do right off the bat to make someone feel okay or to feel accepted. Sometimes we should work on leading with just us as ourselves. But I appreciate that at some point work does come up, and that might be where people really lean into an issue. Best you can do is look for those red flags and take care of yourself. And if someone's showing a sign of discomfort or an inability to humanize you as the person you are, you have to exit that relationship immediately. What do we do to survive in a world that has systems in place that harm us directly? We to build community that reflects back that we have worth and value, and we have to stay within that. Gay people need gay friends to remind them, you're awesome, we're here. Fat people have to do that. People of color, sex workers. So make sure you have a strong community base, right? And dating's hard in general, so I appreciate that this makes it even harder. And so I don't really have a solid answer because the issues you're up against are cultural and systemic and they're gonna maintain themselves for a while as people like me and others work to dismantle them. So the best you can do is take care of yourself and, and stay soft right? Not let this harden you and realize that there are people that will accept you as a total full person. There's no answer. All I can really do is empathize and try to make it a call to action for people to be better and to keep doing the work to dismantle those things that are oppressing and harming you. And that's kind of all we have. It bums me out when I don't have a better answer, but that's the best we got. The, The work is not about leaving your job so that people will see worth and value in you. That's not what this work is. And sex workers are people, you know, it's labor. Um, And I'm proud of you. And And I recommend sex work for some people. For some people, it's amazing to do that work. We can use our capital for intellectual or athletic or artistic. We're allowed to lead with that as a career and we can do the same thing with our bodies and our sexuality. So it's kind of a larger call to action for us to be better. Um, all right, y'all coming up next, we're going to be talking about how to, uh, get the spark back or how to keep it from going. It's an issue a lot of couples deal with. And, uh, if we know what to do, we can make sure we never really get there. And then we'll be gliding back into those DMS, man. I'm bummed out by that question. Seriously. It shouldn't have to be. All right, y'all stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Odyssey.
0: Gliding into the DMS is brought to you by Astro Glide.
2: All right. We are back. And uh, before the DMs, we were talking about the difference between rules and boundaries and how it really does matter. And it's very important because that is where we show how healthy we are. That's where we show whether or not we're a good partner. And that's where we speak to the quality of our relationship. Healthy relationships say things like, we trust each other. We love each other. Cause that's the, that's the foundation. Please don't be in a relationship with someone you don't trust because you either need to work on learning to trust, or you need to leave the relationship if this person's not worthy of trust. But within that context. You can do whatever you need to do because you know you love each other. There's there's nothing to be afraid of. If you trust them, you know that they're not going to do anything to harm you. We're good. And so it's your stuff. We don't then set rules to control them. We set boundaries when needed around what we're comfortable being around or what we're comfortable encountering or what we're going to do or not do. We can't tell them what they can do or not do. Hear that again. Boundaries are us saying what we will do and what we won't and what we will not do. It's about us. We're not trying to control someone. Rules, which are toxic and inappropriate between adults, is telling them what they can do. If you think you need to set rules because they might be willing to harm you or hurt you, then you are not in a healthy relationship built on trust, work on trust first, or the quality of your relationship. Or maybe it's time to go. Because if you really do love them and trust them, then your work is about letting go and letting them live. And what they choose to do will tell you all you need to know. Let go of the rules. We tend to, again, set these structural things in place. Rules. I want your passwords. I'm going to go through your phone. Because we feel out of control. Because we're not willing to let go and be healthy. Those things don't help. What does is the quality of the relationship, and that's improved by just setting boundaries. Hey, not really a fan of that friend. Don't need to be around them, but I'm glad that you have that friend. Go enjoy. That's a healthy relationship built in trust. That is how you maintain that deep friendship that keeps healthy long-term relationships going and alive but when we're setting all these rules, then we're making it adversarial. We're treating our partner like a child. We're not living in trust or learning how to trust or building trust. Trust is shown by us just living our lives and we see what each of us choose to do, period. But if someone's making decisions out of fear of you based on rules, then you can't trust them because again, it's based only on rules and fear and you will never live in trust. You will never feel trust. You're not offering trust. You're not practicing it. So we got to do better around that. Now let's roll into our next topic because it segues right in, in that healthy adult loving relationship. What do we do when we feel as though maybe romance eroticism or sexuality or that spark has left? So let's talk about how to get that spark back. But remember, we can't talk about topics like that if the base isn't correct and strong and the base is I trust you. And so we don't need rules. Go live your life. Have the friends you need to have. Be friends with exes. I trust you. And if you don't, this is how you learn to practice that. I'm gonna let you have the friends you have and be friends with your exes and not have passwords or go through your phone. And I'll deal with something if and when I have to, but because there isn't anything right now happening, I'm gonna let go and that's how trust is built. So if that's being done, let's go to how to bring the smart back. Well, number one, don't panic. I said this in an earlier episode. It's an expected, inevitable stage of most monogamous relationships because you're my only sex partner. And so that means... Our sex life is impacted by your mood, by your health, by the quality of our relationship, by what's going on in the world, by your sexual limits, by what time of day you want sex or don't want sex. Because in a monogamous relationship, your limits are mine. What's going on in your world impacts mine. When you're in an open style or polyamorous, it doesn't matter if you like to have sex the same time of day because we have other options and other partners, other things are available. But in a monogamous relationship, it's an inevitable common stage. Don't panic. That doesn't have to mean everything's bad or something's bad at all. It can just be that's where we're at now. Because remember, all these things go through phases. How it feels now is not how it will feel later. How it used to feel is not necessarily how it will feel again. It's always changing. So let it maybe be more frustrating or a bummer or annoying, but we don't want to make it devastating. That's catastrophizing. Don't do that. Don't do that. But we do want it to be a reminder of that we need some action because we don't want to just let it drift off into friendship because sometimes we can let it drift and it can be hard to get back to that. It can at times be hard to re-eroticize or to get back to the familiarity and the comfort and the access to intimacy like that. So the number one thing I always say is don't let it go, but we'll come back to it. So don't let it drift. What does that mean? Holding on to it, always keeping it available, always keeping it present. Maintain flirting, maintain sexting. Sexuality of various kinds. Tons of touch, cu- tons of cuddling, tons of kissing. Keep dating, keep flirting, keep it alive. The number one thing we can do is not let it go. Keep it, a fr- keep it frequent and keep it a priority. So to new couples or single people that do want that at some point, keep it going every single day. Engage in that in some form. We let it go because we think it doesn't matter or we get too comfortable or we get lazy or other things come up. But that which we let go or we let drift, is going to drift, right, basic. So hold on to it as the number one tip. Second thing, if it's felt like it's gone or it's become you know, something that's not a priority or a lot of time has gone by, communication. We have to be in relationships where we can say things like, I miss sex. Hey, I miss affection. And then talking about why do you think maybe we've lost it? Why do you think maybe it's become boring? Why do you think maybe it's not become important? Notice my tone and my languaging. We're on the same team. It's not a battle. There's no accusations. There's no criticisms. It's a loving question. We're exploring. Hear that again. It's not an accusation. It's not a fight. It's not a criticism. It's a question. We're exploring it. We're on the same team. Going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and keep talking about it. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano Las Vegas residency returns to Park MGM October 14th through the 31st. Go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets, a hotel stay at Park MGM, round-trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending money. Tickets are on sale now at ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Lady Gaga's Jazz and Piano residency shows Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more Loveline. All right, we're back. And we're talking about how to keep the spark alive and remembering we're on the same team. So there's no harshness. There's no criticism. When you're thinking relationally, we're, we're trying to find out more. It's all about learning and understanding. It's not about winning. It's not about being correct. It's not about picking a fight. It's about getting more information. So number one, about how to not let the spark go. Don't let it go. Hold on to it. Number two, communication. Talk about why, you, why it's gone. Talk about why you miss it. Add the meaning. I miss it. And here's why I miss it. That, that, that brings life to it. That brings emotionality. It brings empathy. Explore with your partner why maybe it's disappeared or become boring or not become important. Lovingly, non-accusatorily, hey, share with me why you miss it and if you miss it. Share with me why you don't. Let's talk about why we think it hasn't become important. And Let me share with you why it is to me and why I want it back. That's what it should feel like and sound like. It doesn't need to be anything bigger or more dramatic than that. So keep it, as I say, right-sized. Also, Start prioritizing it, commit to it, making time for it. It's okay to plan it. It's okay to make time where it could happen, creating the conditions where it could happen. But if we pop out of bed and we're running around and then we're busy, 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 and then slam right down into bed and crash, there's no conditions that have been created where it could happen. And it's also okay to plan it. We plan tons of things and it's still fun when it happens. We plan vacations. Guess what? It's still fun. We plan going out with friends and going to the movies. Still fun. But more importantly, you also have to keep energy for it. People don't realize that. Sex and affection of romance require energy. So if everything else is a priority and you're completely depleted, yeah, that's why it won't be something that's important to you or that you have the energy for because you're tired. You have to make energy for it. You have to find ways to build that into your life. What are other things we have to think about? I tell people, going back to not letting it go, romanticize and eroticize your partner every single day. I wish I could remember to say that on every single show. Have you romanticized or eroticized your partner today? And if not, find something to do. Daily. Keeps it alive. Keeps it engaged. Keeps it as a resource. So what does that mean? Leave them a note. Send them a text. Sex to them. Have sex. Just flirt. Just compliment. Just cuddle. Touch. Talk dirty. Kiss passionately for no reason at all. Tell them you're thinking about them. Send them a picture of something you saw that reminded you of them. Send them a song, a clip to a song that you both love. Just something that says, I see you, I hear you, I love you, I desire you, I'm attracted to you. Something. Everything I just listed is free. Everything I just listed is quick. Everything I just listed is simple. Everything I just listed is literally doable while you're on your way to the bathroom at work. So I don't want to hear, I don't have the time for it. Yeah, you do. It's just that you don't care. Why don't you care anymore? It's not a priority anymore. Why? Because it's these little small things that matter the most. And like I said, you can do it. And if you can't figure out why, what is that about? How have we gotten into a place where that's not important or meaningful to us? Because it's a communication to your partner about how you feel about them right? Saying that you don't think that it's important to find time to do these things is saying to them, I don't think you're important. What, what, what can keep us closer? I don't think is important. Really unpack that. It's a hard conversation, but you want to have that with yourself, maybe with your partner. Going back to that other point about communication, healthy relationships are transparent enough. And like I've said on a lot of shows, make sure every couple months, at least once a year, you're checking in. Like I said, right? How's it been going? How's it felt? Is this something we should keep being in this relationship? What do you need from me? And that's when you can say, I need more romance. I need more affection. I need more sexuality. And I just went through that list. I'll go through it again quickly. Write this down. What are the things we need to do? Leave notes, sext, text, have sex, flirt, touch, cuddle, talk dirty, kiss passionately. Send them a gift. Send them a song that makes you think of them. Send a song that you both love that you heard. Send them a photo of something that reminds you of them. Tell them a trip you want to take with them. Make some plans. Plan an upcoming date to get excited about. Like there's a thousand zillion things you can do every day that says, I care about you, you're important, I love you, and, and, and keeping romance alive. Start engaging in some of that. That can happen at any time in any day in any space. That's what's so amazing about the work I'm talking about. It can happen standing in line at Starbucks. We can use that time to build in romance. When we wake up in the morning, we can have a routine where you turn over, you guys hug each other, maybe you cuddle, talk about what you're going to do that day or at the end of the day. You come home, you change, you shower, and you just sit on the couch, turn off the TV, put your phones down, say, tell me about your day. Or maybe you have dinner together every night, phones in another room on silent. That's right. It's okay to be unavailable for 45 minutes to an hour. My God. Or maybe phones go off permanently. We don't look at them again at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. And we watch our shows and we talk. We have shared experience. That's the kind of rules I'll have when me and my partner live together, that after a certain time of night, phones are done. We're gone. We're not reachable. Whatever that time is, 7 p.m., 8 p.m., that's our time. Not reachable again until tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Those are the things you have to build in. Your relationships mean more than anything else. Because what did I say? Earlier segments, I told you how it's the one thing that gets us through trauma. It's one thing that helps prevent symptoms of PTSD, is knowing that there's someone there, having access to someone. But if we haven't been doing this work all, all along, then the quality won't be there where that, where that even matters. Their presence won't matter. It won't soothe you. It won't make you feel more confident. It's, it's work we have to do. It takes maintenance. Same thing with friendships. Right? If we want to have them there and we need them, we have to work on building the kind of quality and the maintenance so that they are available and so that their availability actually is impactful and matters. Mere presence doesn't matter. I can sit next to someone for six hours flying the East Coast on an airplane. I don't feel safe because of them. I haven't built intimacy with them, but yeah, their body was near mine. But some people move through the world where it's just two bodies passing. Ah, well, we're married and we sleep together every night. So we're good. We're bonded. We're attached. No, you're not. That matters not at all. Proximity isn't what we're talking about. Proximity doesn't matter. It's, it's the quality is their eye contact is their touch is their shared experience is there vulnerable communication that matters the relational pieces not the structural that your body was near mine or we own a home together who cares, you can a home you can own a home or live with a lot of different kinds of people and not care about them or have intimacy. It's called roommates that we're not close to or family members we don't enjoy. Right, we've all been there that's not meaningful. Um, so we're going to take a little break and then we'll come back and finish off how to keep the spark alive. And as you're seeing, this is work that applies to all relationships when you really translate it out of the sexual or the erotic, right? And uh, we'll be closing out by gliding into the DMs courtesy of Astro Glide. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Line IG page. Happy to hear all questions, right? But also any topic you want covered or you want me to drop deeper into and uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. So go over there, scroll down, look for my face in the show, click on it. All the past episodes are there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Um, So stick around though. We're gonna finish this out. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And we're just kind of closing out and finishing up our topic on how do I bring the spark back? I know, it's important stuff. The m- biggest thing I can say over and over is don't let it go. If you don't lose anything, then you don't have to work on bringing it back. You know, in our busy lives, we tend to over-prioritize other things, but we got nothing if we don't have our primary relationships of whatever kind they are. That's the basis of our mental health, is the relationships we're in and the quality of them, period, end of story. It's empirically validated research that shows that for decades, attachment theory. We need a secure base from which to go out into the world and be our best and most, most confident. We have to have a, that home base that then is our safe haven for us to return to. That gets us through mental health issues. That shaves down the sharp edges of trauma. That can prevent some PTSD in totality or some of the severe symptoms, right? And so if your happiness is a little funky, say, what's the quality of my relationships? They provide distraction, joy. They anchor us. Now, if it's a romantic, sexual, erotic partner, well, it's a little bit different. We talked about all those different points earlier. Let's get into some new ones. Honesty. Is the sex we've been having even worth wanting or missing? Sometimes it's the quality of the sex, and that's the reason why we don't miss it. But we have to talk about that. We have to be in healthy enough relationships where we can say, hey, I don't like the kind of sex we've been having. so I haven't wanted it. Maybe you have to ask to get there. Maybe someone has to ask you to get there, but be willing to share that and talk about that. It's not a criticism. It's just an honest assessment, right? So we have to start asking for the kind of sex we want. It might be that you're not asking for what you want, but yet you're punishing the partner and calling it bad, but they don't know what you want because we don't do mind reading. We expect people to tell us what they need. That's what adults do. And the more committed we get, we can get a little more anxious revealing ourselves sexually. I get that, but that's more important that we still work to do that. We don't do assumptions in mind reading. That leads to really bad sex. And the more deeper we get in, I know it makes us a little more scared to reveal that it's more fragile. How they feel about us matters more, but we have to be willing to take that risk and do that. So our partner should be the safe place where we reveal our most honest sexual self, not to some random person in our DMS on our IG. Come on. That's not what that's not adulthood. That's not fair. It's also not kind. Also novelty, we, tend, we some, we, we get in these patterns and habits. Newness and novelty are the most arousing things sexually, but we fall into patterns and habits because we're bored, because we're lonely, because we're lazy, because we're comfortable, right? Don't do that. We have to keep switching it up. What you have, when you have it, where you have it, how you do it. There's a, just these little tweaks matter. Time of day, place, what we do, push on your boundaries, push on those edges. Why are you only allowing what you're allowing? Go introspective, what's that about? Is that about a fear of intimacy? Is that body shame? Is that erotophobia? I'm afraid to ask ask for more. I'm afraid to make the noises I make and to let my body be seen doing what it does. Check in with that. Is it your partner who's shaming or are you shaming? Work through that, talk that out, but get it on the table, shine some light on it so it can be dealt with and dismantled. We have to allow sounds and body fluids and smells and movements. We don't wanna hold back, but you have to examine like whose work is that? Is that us, is that them, is that me? But that's part of the spark dropping because it's not even good, it's not even honest. I work with too many people that are saying things like, I don't orgasm because I don't like the way we do it, but I'm afraid to tell my partner they're too fragile. Well, everyone, toughen up, especially if you're in a monogamous relationship. Their limits are your limits. This is their only sex outlet and partner, except for solo sex, which is why some people choose solo sex. It's easier, it's quicker, no drama. But if you miss partnered sex, that, that's not gonna work well. You have to be approachable. Are you approachable? And if not, work on being approachable, work on letting them know I'm not gonna punish you for coming honestly to me and telling me that you don't like what we're doing or that you need changes. But if you're not approachable and you're so fragile or you punish, that's why, you're part of that problem. Use this as an opportunity to dismantle and work on that. Because if we can't talk about this, we can't talk about other important things. I bring that up all the time, right? And then finally, sometimes you gotta kink it up. I walk people into kinks all the time because sometimes there's other parts of ourselves that we haven't identified or leaned into that might be more arousing, you know? It's also more vulnerable. So seek out and add fetishes to your life to spice it up. What are some kinky, wild things you've never wanted, um, not not that you've never wanted to do, but that you have always wanted to do, but you're afraid to do? Your partner should be the safe space to be able to talk about that and try that. And if not, work on having a safer partner, a more sex-positive partner. My books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines, really both seek to help us get more sex positive, to be able to have those conversations and step into that. Because sex is more than just penetration. If it's only just ever about penetration and orgasming in the same ways, in the same places, at the same time of day, that's boring. And that's understandable, we're not gonna keep coming back to that. Toys, fingers, tongues, your entire body has the ability to provide pleasure, to make it more fun, make it new, make it more novel. Capitalize on that. But again, your sex partner is the place where this should be discussed, not your friends. Go to your partner, one-on-one relationships. It's disrespectful to not go to them and say, this is where I'm at, this is who I am, this is what I need, this is how I feel. If you're only going to your friends about it or Googling stuff, you're missing out on intimacy. Try working on being able to go to your partner directly and saying, this is what's going on, this is where my head's at, this is how I feel. And if not, is that your work or is that their work? Do you need to start working slower saying, I need to be more approachable, or I need you to be more approachable, or we have to get better at having difficult conversations, or we have to work on not being so sensitive when someone has a request about anything, right? Because all that matters, because that's our mental health. Sexual health is sexual health is mental health, and sexual health and what's going on impacts quality of relationship. So it's, it's really all intertwined. So work on that. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to glide into those DMs. So you know the drill. Got a DM? Drop in the DMs on our Loveline Energy page. Questions, topics you want covered. Past episodes, as always, over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, y'all. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back.
0: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward.
2: All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to glide into those DMs. Courtesy of Astroglide. lubes and lotions for everybody. So get out there, get some, lube it up.
0: Gliding into the DMs.
2: DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. So tonight's question says, Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm usually not impulsive, but lately I've been super anxious and pulling the trigger really quickly. Then having to deal with the consequences of my actions. This is an example. I bought a round trip ticket to Hawaii and a four night stay by myself. And I've invited my friends, but kind of expecting to go alone. Is this a product of the pandemic? Yes, pandemics had a lot of impacts on us that are negative. People aren't thinking clearly, people are dissociating, people are stressed. So I don't know, you know, impulsivity is about energy as well and focus. And if we are tired and burnout and stressed and we're not focused, we're not gonna be able to be aware of what we're doing and our impulses. Cause the work is really about thought and then creating space between thought and reaction. But a lot of us go thought right to reaction. We're upset, we scream. We're upset, we throw a punch. We're upset, we you know we name call. We have to build more space in there by breathing and calming down. And like I said, that requires energy and focus. And if we're tired and burnt out or stressed, we're not gonna have that self-awareness or that self-control. So realize that you're struggling with that right now. And, and breathe and pause. When you have an idea, sit with it longer. Set a rule for yourself. When you have an idea, you're not gonna jump on it. You're gonna sit with it for hours. You're gonna sit with it for a day or so. You might even consult some friends. I have clients where I say to them, around this topic or this issue, you seem to be struggling. Please wait each week and let's process it. Or please make sure you go to that trusted friend and bounce it off of them first. Or wait a day, and if a day later it still makes sense, go back and do it. There's no rush. That plane ticket and that hotel room will be there day later or hours later, but you need to practice building in space between idea and desire and the execution of it and stepping right into action. So find ways to slow yourself down and that's the best way to do it. Get into some therapy and process it, bounce it off a friend first, or make sure you wait 24 hours. I tell that to people that are compulsive around shopping, right? Um, Even it's about emotional regulation, breathing and giving time for our executive functioning and judgment to come back online. Because when we're stressed or anxious or overloaded, that part of us is sometimes offline or not as accessible. So it's good that you're realizing this is happening, but just work on it. Just overall practice slowing down, making no major decisions without processing it longer or waiting. And it'll serve you in the long run as well. And just to broaden this up to everyone, I'd like the recognition that maybe this is pandemic related. A lot of things that you might not think could be or would be are because the general state of what's going on around us is is going to impact what's going on in us. And if we're distracted or thrown off by what we're hearing, seeing or what's going on in the news, understandably, that's going to be a part of your thought process, right? And your decision making. So go slower, be softer, be kinder. It's the best we can do. You know what I mean? We're, we're never going to really know because some people are actually saying that this pandemic is going to be with us for a very, very long time. So it's going to become familiar. These kinds of consequences, symptoms are going to get very familiar and might become more of who we are. We have to work against that, push back on that become resilient because I don't know if there's a time when we're going to be out of this completely. And then we can just lovingly, you know, go back to a baseline and reflect on the differences. This might be something we're carrying with us into the future for a while. So practice doing that work now. And that's, what I'm saying to everyone all the time, be kind with yourself, be kind to others because everyone's in this and this is woven into our being and our emotions and our moods and our, you know, capacities. And, and there's always more being added. Like I was sitting with this last week when I was like, oh my God, COVID, Delta variants, all these mask regulations and rules and vaccines, travel, Haiti's earthquake, what's going on in Afghanistan. And I was like, what is going on? And there's more to come. So we have to um, just take, out, take care of ourselves, you know? But thank you for that DM. Any DM you got, any questions you got, drop them in the DMs as always. Any topic you want covered, or you want us to drop deeper into, let us know. I know sometimes I might not hit the point or the question in the way that you needed, let us know, follow up. Or there's a topic and I went in a different direction or you want me to come back to it, let us know we're here. And you can always go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for my face and the show name, click on it and there's the past episode you can bin, post, and share. But um, y'all have a good weekend. Make sure you plan some self-care, make sure you plan some joy and pleasure, just moments where the meaning and purpose is just that it made you feel good and lots of rest. You know, slow down, take care of yourselves. You don't want your weekends to burn you out and then jump right back into a really busy week, you know? So self-care, joy, pleasure, and rest is always the name of that game, y'all. But uh, take care of yourselves and take care of those around you. You know, we need that responsibility. Anywho, thank you Astroglide. Lotions and uh, lubes for everybody. Check them out. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out. And y'all enjoy the rest of your night.
0: Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.